In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I was on a call the other day with a couple of people at work, and we were all kind of sharing, what are we looking forward to? It's mid-February, and I think over half of our group was excited about travel, and I think it's just that season. I hear a lot, I see a lot, and I think travel is just one of those bugs that works its way into our veins about mid-February, and we're all ready. We're ready for something, and maybe this is not true if you are in a southern hemisphere right now and having delightful weather, or maybe it's too hot and you want to go north. I just always think travel hits us at different points of the year. And so when I came across this article, I decided, you know, this is something I have a lot of thoughts about. The article is actually linked in the show notes. It's by Nomadic Matt. And the travel article was, does travel change you? And that's actually the theme for this episode. So I'm going to highlight a couple of key points from the article, but then I'm going to tell you my story and a little bit about how I think about this and some resources to help you think differently about travel. I, you know, I kind of chuckled because as I was reading this, I was thinking like, yes, yes, like you're speaking to my heart here, dude. (laughs) It kind of made me laugh. So one of the first questions he says, does travel really change people? For most people, travel seems to be simply parachuting into places, getting pictures, seeing museums and then leaving. And I know even some travel influencers have been really frustrated on Instagram with kind of this idea that everyone's going for this shot. They're not really experiencing the location. They're going for the image of this imagery of travel. And I'm sure, you know, some travel changes you and I've had those experiences. But I also want to highlight, you know, I think Matt says here, travel changes you when you get out of your comfort zone, you volunteer, you meet locals and attempt a deep connection with the world. But a resort? a cruise, a whirlwind tour through Europe? I'm not so sure. And I thought that was really fascinating because when I started reading the article, I said, well, it really comes down to what's the purpose? Why are you traveling? And so we're going to come back to that. I think that is a key point in thinking about travel differently is really why are you traveling in the first place? Not all travels treat created equally, just like any other thing. And so I think It's interesting and it's ironic that so much of the travel industry, you know, travel writing, advertising, marketing, it really promotes this concept that travel changes you. And to quote Matt, he says, we often believe travel is some sort of panna cotta for one's thoughts about the world and the people in it. Go abroad, get exposed to different cultures, and then bam, suddenly you'll have more empathy for people around the globe and stop seeing them as foreign, scary, or other. Books upon books upon travel have expounded on the belief, I went traveling and became a better person with a deeper appreciation and tolerance for others, unquote. And I think that can be true. However, I've also talked to several people who have a different mindset around travel. And so I just want to kind of unpack this on my own travel journey. And, you know, I think my travel journey started very young. And I will just say very naively, as a young American woman, 
I prescribed the belief that the Americans were the biggest, best country in the world. And I don't think that anymore. But that's where I was trained. I just had that mindset. And I don't know where that came from. I don't know that I ever heard that. But I had this belief. And it seemed as though any place other than America was not safe. Now, I don't think that's true anymore. And I'll come to tell you my story of how I've challenged that paradigm and how I continue to challenge that paradigm even today and how I will challenge others on that paradigm. It started actually way back when I was, I mean, probably as early as, you know, fourth grade when I had my first trip to California and we crossed over into Mexico and Tijuana. And that was my first exposure to someone of a different culture than me. I grew up in a small town in Northeast Wisconsin. And while I had family from all over the country, I didn't really have an immersive type experience in a different community, in a different culture. And it was just, you know, you become aware. And I think when something is outside your comfort zone, you immediately get scared. That's the zone of discomfort. That is that, you know, you're not sure what to do. And when we don't know what to do, we usually choose fear as one of our first options. So there is always this kind of safety mechanism or safety thought, stability, that things aren't safe when they aren't comfortable. So I'm going to come back to that, though. I actually learned a lot as a camp counselor in high school, gosh, and into college. I was like a mega camp counselor for probably four or five summers. And a majority of our staff were international staff. So I was working alongside individuals from countries, and many of them were from countries I'd never heard of. And some of them still today, I'm like, wait, where is that country? I need to go on a map when I see, you know, Kazakhstan was the one I just heard of. And I was like, wait, where actually is this? And what was it? Ironically, my daughter was doing an assignment this week on our ancestry and my husband's family is from Bohemia. And we had to do some research on where even is Bohemia. And so I think That early exposure to people from countries that I didn't know about allowed me to get curious and have questions, honest conversations and genuine questions and curiosity and empathy around like, what was life? What is life like there? How do you like America? What are your thoughts about America? There's some very interesting conversations because again, once you're in this environment every day and it's broad, again, I'm painting a very broad stroke, because if you came to Wisconsin, we are not representative of America. Um, In some ways we are. But I always joke, you know, it's not like you can say, oh, Americans are this or Europeans are this, but I still hear that happen a lot. So I think much of my exposure just came from genuine, curious conversations with people who were different than me. We also hosted several exchange students from different countries, and probably the one that was least in line with our culture and our beliefs and our understanding was our exchange student, Toon, from Thailand, who I still have a relationship with today. And that really opened my eyes to different beliefs and cultures at a different level, right? From a religious level, from the way their society was structured. And so that was very fascinating. And I think when I had my own mini exchange experiment, (laughs) I say experiment because I only went abroad for a couple of weeks and then my German exchange experience was a couple of months. That also changed my paradigm about travel and about America and about a lot of different things in just very unique ways. And I think it's very personal because you come into travel with your own set of experiences And you prescribe to certain set of beliefs and understandings. And when things like that get questioned, then you have to decide, what do I want to do with that? So I wouldn't say it was life altering immediately, 
but it helped me become more aware about things that were different, right? I remember the food being different and the the idea in Germany that I couldn't order the food off of the menu comfortably and know what I was getting and having to rely on someone else to make some of those decisions for me was fascinating because it was horrible. I remember having a really horrible meal and I was like, if this is the worst of my experience in Germany, I'll be fine. But it was really awful. (laughs) I will never forget. Like, I'm never trusting someone to order for me again. I think my definition and understanding about safety and security continues to evolve today. And I rarely find much value from internet stories based on location and safety. You know, my threshold for safety is based more on a network of people and who I have relationships with that are connected to that location. I know the mechanism behind the internet. And I know how news works. I know how there's always a lack of context in the creation of stories or details that get lost in the game of telephone gossip. And so I've just learned that anytime I see anything online, whether it's in Facebook communities or in news articles, I just begin to question what's behind the story. So it's always just face value. I've decided that if I want to learn about a location, I either need to know someone who's been there and talk to them directly or know someone who's lived there or something of that nature. And my goal is to have as many, at least a couple, ideally, a couple of interactions with people from that location. So for example, we went to Los Angeles to stay for a couple of days in between our trip to Hawaii and home. And I called a friend and said, hey, as a family, we're going to be staying. Can you remind me, like, what are the neighborhoods? Where? would you be comfortable staying? And remember, you know, we have kids. So keep that in mind. Where would you be comfortable being? And what's your threshold for safety and comfort and stability and things of that nature while traveling in this very large, unknown urban area? Again, being from a small town in rural Wisconsin, I started to view travel as my gateway to new and different experiences, to meet people with different backgrounds and exposure to things that were different than what I saw at home. I wanted to see nature beyond the boundaries of our own backyard or our own hometown and to understand the expansiveness of the globe, of ecosystems and environment that contributes to the place and the culture building phenomenon of who makes each of us unique. And over the years, I've witnessed and experienced different types of travel. So I'm just going to kind of run down. I in no way, shape or form and using this is like a shaming episode, by the way. So I have experienced various types of travel and I know what I am right now, but I just want people to realize there's options. So for one, I think there's like the escape vacation mode and I try less and less to do these where I look for a quick fix or a escape mechanism. So for me, these are cruises, all-inclusives, Disney World type experiences where I don't have to think, I don't have to plan. I don't have to do anything. Everything is there for me. Now, the reason I say those are escape and vacation and not necessarily a challenging travel experience is that I don't know that we really learn much from that. While I think these experiences give us a good dopamine hit and maybe a sunshine exposure and all of the things that take us away from daily life that we maybe need some respite from, they also perpetuate the mindset of envy and luxury and potentially elitism. I mean, I just see like these luxurious accommodations getting more and more deluxe. I don't know how to describe that any better than that. And it just feels like, is that realistic? Like, are those expectations? Is that what I really want on a vacation? Or was that what travel is meant to do for us? For me, I don't know that we get much out of it as a family. 
Now, I loved our experience at Disney. I think I've talked about that. I did have an anxiety attack at Disney. So, I mean, keep that in mind. But I will say it was fun. Once I was able to embrace like what and how it was going to work for our family, we had fun. It's nice to still get away. So I don't want it to feel like, oh, this type of travel is inappropriate or anything like that. I just want to expose people to different ways that you know, Disney World doesn't have to be a rite of passage in order to become a thriving adult in our society. I also will share kind of a, I don't know if it's a cute story, but it was a aha moment as a mom. When we were in Hawaii, we had this app called Shaka Guides. It's similar to like a gypsy app or something of that nature where it takes you through a lot of historical context to the community that you're in while navigating you with GPS and getting you to different locations. And they told the story of how the luau came to be such a large celebration for celebrating a child's one-year-old birthday. And I'll kind of paraphrase it really quickly, but essentially when the native people in Hawaii had babies, the birth outcomes were so horrible that most children, I want to say something like 90% of children did not make it to their one-year-old birthday party. And that was largely due to the influx of diseases and the poor conditions in which they were living. I don't know exactly all the details. Again, I don't have the details in front of me. But I remember my son, who is like 10, 11, saying, gosh, humans kind of suck, don't we? And I sometimes wonder, you know, like, what is the travel industry actually teaching us? Like, we go to these places, and what are we taking with us to those places? I know there's a lot of opinions around COVID travel, and I understand it, it is an inconvenience and it is a pain. And I sometimes wonder, are we entitled to travel to those locations and why? It's just an interesting conversation because I've seen a lot of people really frustrated with the regulations. And yet at the same time, what are we doing? Why as travelers, are we entitled to go to those locations? So that's just like a question I think about sometimes. I question sometimes. What is the impact of travel? I was listening to a podcast and the guest was Kate Flanders and I have tried to find the episode and I can't find it. But Kate Flanders talked about her questioning the role and of her travel. And so she has been exploring the impact of cross-ocean flight and the amount of energy conservation effort that that negates. You could spend an entire year doing behavior changes and home energy conservation efforts, and all of that is negated with one cross-ocean flight. And I thought that was fascinating because, you know, is the reward worth the impact is just a question. I have studied community development for a long time, and so I also recognize the impact of large and short-term cross-impact on communities. You know, when you look at the natural environment, and one of the things I mentioned up above was ecosystems. You know, when you pull one thing out of an ecosystem, it becomes really imbalanced. And so when you add to an ecosystem, you know, think of all the invasive species that were brought to a place to fix a problem. It's interesting what that does to the ecosystem. And so I think there's sometimes I question, like, what is the role of travel? How have large travel brands impacted small businesses or What has travel done to the soul of a community? Has tourism been an asset maybe for the economy side of it, but has it been an asset for community development and many other aspects of a vital community? So I think travel can change us in meaningful ways, but it's not necessarily a universal declaration. I think travel changes us when we are outside of our comfort zone and we have a deep empathy and gratitude for those who are serving us. Given the way our system works, though, 
many of us only have two to three weeks of vacation. And I think that leads us towards solutions that are more like escapes or deluxe resorts hidden away from local people in tropical locations. And I don't know that travel has any impact on how people see or interact with the world. It can maybe offer exposure and escape from daily life, but I don't know if it leads to change, which is why I hesitate to say that travel is like the secret to a fulfilling life. It's actually the reason I've chosen to use the word adventure intentionally to invite you to step to the margins of your comfort zone and consider that potentially slowing down and learning about people from different places that you are less familiar with. What if instead of exploring the most popular places, you began intentionally exploring the least popular places? This is actually kind of the reason why I'm against a bucket list. I think people put places on a bucket list based on what's popular or what they've seen. What drives me is curiosity and discovery. And so I am always on a mission to discover places that I'd never heard of. It's from that place of finding value and adding value at the same time. So for me, it's different. And I just think, you know, if you can explore things from a different lens, you might have a different type of experience. So I thought I'd finish out this episode by just inviting you to explore travel from a different lens. And I have these tips related to what I call untourism. I've compiled some questions just to help you think about how to travel differently. How might we incorporate generosity into our adventures? About three years ago, Our kids started writing thank you notes and drawing pictures for the airline staff, and it is now extended to us looking for ways to support the locations we are going to and lead with this generosity mindset. Whether it's meeting a new host, a new driver, or even a stranger on the street, we've just had some really great lessons through these experiences. And I know there's a lot of service-based experiences you can search and travel intentionally to engage in service work. You know, I'm also cautious. I'm an executive director for a private family foundation. And so having worked in philanthropy for so many years, I'm just also careful, you know, about mission trips. I don't want to go into like my whole soapbox about that. But I will say you don't need to go to a third world country to have a generous or service-based experience. I have plans to talk more about these actually on future episodes. But I wanted to just get you thinking about how does generosity play out in your travel experience? The next one is how might we explore a different means for travel? And part of this came out of a problem solving need and it actually led to a very unique experience. We have used things like Turo, which is like Airbnb for car rentals and RV share or outdoorsy for years. Those are different ways to rent private people's vehicles. And even with the rental car shortage, even those were tough. So when we were starting to explore different things, we were thinking about, okay, if car dealerships might have an opportunity or eBay or all these different places, and we ended up finding a local company that had a 1996 conversion van available for rent. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going on vacation, I'm usually looking for a nicer vehicle, something that's going to be reliable, that's going to carry all of our stuff. And so I kind of joked that, Even when we landed, I'm like, are we really renting a 1996 conversion van? It's just kind of funny, right? It felt like we were in Scooby-Doo. But I will say the very first beach we pulled up to, it gave us some serious local cred. And it allowed us to have a very different type of experience, one that was totally unpredictable. And after we confirmed, you know, that the conversion van was legit, we also then changed our entire mindset around the vacation because we did not have formal lodging accommodations. And so we were like, you know, 
we could do like a pseudo camping experience. My husband and son were willing to stay in a tent and the rest of us actually camped out in this conversion van. And we rented places through Hip Camp, which is a kind of like Airbnb, but for camping locations. And so it was really fun. It gave us an entirely different lens on how to travel Hawaii, the North or the Big Island. You know, hotels do offer predictability, and I don't always enjoy hotel accommodations. But most of the time, hotels kind of keep you away from the local community, or they kind of protect you from the local community in some ways. And so I usually just prefer to find solutions that offer, I say, the triple win, something that benefits the community, the customer, and the business. And so I always try to look at things a little bit differently. And for us, that was how might we explore a different means for travel. The next question I ask is how might we try local foods or how do we find local foods? And my answer for this is if you can find roadside food stands. We don't eat out very often, but we're curious about local foods and flavors. And we've tried many different local foods and dishes for a fraction of the price at local restaurants through food stands. And sometimes, you know, you're wondering like, what is in that cooler? It is always so good. And And if it's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, you can buy one and it's usually very inexpensive. You're not committed to a sit down meal. You can grab and go. Our kids are pretty picky anyway. So we like the flexibility of just kind of grab, do a no thank you try. If we want more, we'll buy another one. If we don't, we'll walk away. So it's been really interesting. We've also tried a lot of fruits and vegetables that we never heard of, boiled peanuts in the South, you know, just things that were different to us. It was really easy to grab them through a local food stand and you're supporting a local person. Another question we like to ask is how might we discover local only hangouts? So if you're a local, especially if you live in an area where there's a lot of tourists, I used to live in Chicago and I would always get the question of like, oh, let's go down and do Millennial Park. And I'm like, seriously, it's gorgeous. I loved it. But if I could avoid that, I would. I hated Navy Pier, by the way. (laughs) So I always like to joke, like, where are the locals hanging out? And that's often just by talking to them. When you start to build relationships with the locals and come from this place of generosity and not expectations, they will peel back the onion. I've had really great conversations with bartenders or servers. They'll talk about hidden places and they don't always want tourists to know about them. But they start to trust you and they maybe want to hang out with you. And so we've had at least four different experiences with like local secrets, everything from best beaches to a hidden bar in the basement of a hotel that nobody knew about to a quiet cove where a rare breed of shells are found uh, to a special hike that most tourists don't know of and a cliff jumping location that was perfect for kids. So it's just all these different things that come from a place, again, from generosity and authenticity. Because if you go into the relationship expecting things in return, you know, that just feels one-sided. I think if you go into this relationship or having conversations with people from a genuine curiosity and how can I help you or this desire to help them in some way, it may come back to benefit you. But I don't think you can go in and always looking to benefit in the process. It's more of this mindset of generosity that comes back to benefit. My next question is, how might we experience pristine and untouched landscapes? So this has become a very popular thing. I think everyone is looking for off the beaten path type experiences. I think part of it is just like watching where the crowds go and going the opposite way. (laughs) It's one thing we love to do. 
we often will try to challenge ourselves to get off the beaten path. And we had one experience where we drove nearly a mile off of the main road and had a pristine camping experience. And it was the only time in my lifetime where we got to see the sunrise and the sunset from exactly the same spot. And it has forever changed my definition of an ocean view. No hotel or cruise or anything will ever beat that definition of an ocean view in my world because I had such a unique experience of a pristine and untouched landscape. So I think it just takes, again, being willing. You know, I also think there are tools that can help you to do this safely. We, my husband is a hunter, so you just have to know that context in the background. But there's a lot of different GPS apps that you can look at. We use Onyx because it can give you insight into the land, like what's private property, what's public proper property, and, you know, what trails are in the area. And you can go uh, while off-grid and still use the maps so you can download them on your phone. So those kind of tools help us sometimes as well really experience pristine and untouched landscapes, places where most people are not going. How might we recreate an experience we see or hear about? So this is like my favorite thing to do is I'll see an experience online or I'll hear about someone's experience and I'll try to figure out how we can do it ourselves. So I'm a little bit of a, like I love to figure stuff out. My husband and I love to solve problems. We love to figure things out. So we found this Airbnb experience. It was like a local experience. And I, I think those are great ways to invest too. Like look at off the beaten path type opportunities and support a local. But we did this little extra research and we decided to DIY our own experience. And what the thing was, was taking you on a tour of these hidden warm pools where the freshwater natural pools are heated by lava beneath the surface of the earth. And I just couldn't bring myself to get up that early in the morning with the kids and pay that amount of money. And I just, you know, I was like, ah, I wonder if we could figure this out. So we didn't pay at all for any tour in Hawaii. And that one was pretty memorable. And much like I stated in my comments about hotels, I'm not opposed to tours. My point is to be intentional about what you want to get out of the tour experience. I have a friend in Nashville who runs an awesome food tour company called A Little Local Flavor. And she is on a mission to invest $1 million in the local restaurant industry. And she's very particular about the restaurants she chooses and the types of food, like all the food must be made from scratch. And so there's mutual benefits to that tour, to the business owner, to the client, to the community. And I'm guilty. I have purchased tours and later wondered, like, I don't feel great about what my money was supporting. For example, I don't know why I felt compelled to do this, but I bought a tour of the Hollywood Homes Tour. I'm not sure why I needed to know where a bunch of famous people lived. I didn't really get much value out of it after the fact. Like, I thought it was going to be cool. I don't know. You know, after a dolphin cruise or whale watching experience, it's neat to see. But I've just heard stories from locals that really left me questioning if that's tours intentions are good for the community. And so, again, it's not a shaming exercise. It just comes back to if you want to recreate that experience, how might you do that? If you have an experience or you have connections in that community, that's even better. The next question I like to ask is how might we connect with locals? So this is like one of my missions of this podcast is for us to connect with families across the country or across the world. However, I think sometimes travel can become a secluded experience. You know, you're traveling as a family unit and we love travel because it is a connection building time for us. But we also know that our kids 
need to connect and interact with other kids and have exposure to other families. And so we always love to try to find ways to connect while traveling. And so I'll just put it out there. We're traveling to Alaska this summer through Canada. If anyone in that route wants to raise their hand or reach out to me, we'd love to connect. Um, One of our best experiences, we had an accommodation with a family in Hawaii who was like a host family. It's almost like hosting an exchange student where they had space in their house. They don't do it very often. And I, I actually, I don't even know if it's available anymore. But anytime you can find these unique experiences where you can, I don't want to say exploit your network, because this is one of those, you know, I stayed with family a lot of the time traveling when I was growing up. I had a very large family. And so we would stay with family. And I think that type of experience is my favorite. I love being in places with other people. And it's part of the reason I think I don't like hotels because it feels like a very stuffy environment. So when you can find people around the world who have similar likes and interests and nurture those relationships, you have different options. And connecting with other local families doesn't mean you have to host them, right? You, we don't have to stay with you. you. We're a family of five. That is not an easy ask. But building a network of people who can suggest places to go or meet up for lunch or head to a park or do a hike together, those are the type of experiences where you have those local insights and that network that offer you a different type of experience. My next question is, how might we learn what is unique about the culture of the location you are visiting? I think one of my hacks is having children because they're more willing to ask questions that I don't normally ask. (laughs) And I think bringing that curious mindset to our adventures have allowed us to meet and interact with people and ended up leading to new experiences, one of them being a mini ukulele lesson. And honestly, my son put a ukulele on his birthday list because he had a cool interaction with a local and a desire to learn more and to keep practicing and rekindling that experience. How might we learn a new skill? And I think this goes back to the other one. You know, the ukulele offered a mini skill building experience, but my oldest son has long had a deep desire to surf. Living in Wisconsin, that's not exactly something that's readily accessible to us. And we've had several actual experiences connecting with locals, using their equipment and building the skill of surfing. Our first was in Florida. We met up with the family that we actually bought our RV from, and the second was from our host family in Hawaii. And my oldest is very eager to keep perfecting the skill. So when we learn something from someone else, we give them the opportunity to share their passion. So this doesn't always have to be formal lessons. Some of our greatest learning experiences are just mini lessons from authentic curiosity. At a place and talking with strangers. And it led to us going, huh, I remember digging for sand crabs. No idea that that was a thing. Did you want to help dig for sand crabs? I'm like, what are sand crabs? So it led to this kind of new experience because of this place of curiosity. So one of my favorite things I did for myself was through this skill building. We were staying at a horse ranch in Tucson and a local couple would come in and teach different workshops, particularly in glass art. And given that my kids were busy doing other things, I thought, you know, I'm going to take an afternoon class and sign up for making a glass pendant. And it was one of the best investments. I learned a new skill. I supported a local. And I have this cool souvenir to remember that experience by. And so sometimes I think 
It's easy to think about it from a formal lens of how can I support it. They can be formal skill building lessons, but they also can be really informal. Things like skimboarding is the one I'm thinking about most recently where we were on the beach and just skimboarding. Orienteering or, you know, it's interesting what can happen when you have these curious conversations. So those are just some of my questions I try to think about. Does travel change us? I think you get to decide. You get to decide how you want travel to show up, what the purpose is for travel in your life. I think it's very easy for envy to creep in and be the root of deception and entice you to be more luxurious, more remote, better views, epic experiences. I think all of those things are kind of lurking within the travel experience if you want it to be. But it doesn't have to be that way. I think the impact of travel really comes back to purpose. What is the purpose of travel in your life? I'm going to leave you with a link to the Beginner's Guide to Untourism. It's just a way to think through not just these questions that I mentioned here today, but it's a way to also start thinking about how you can plan your experiences to be more untourism-like. I hope this episode finds value. If you are getting value out of this episode, or if you just want to talk further with me, one of the best ways to do that is to buy me a cup of coffee. I'll put the link in the show notes. But if you buy me a cup of coffee, you get a 15 minute one on one with me and we can just chat about your travels or about your desires or what an adventure lifestyle might look like. Again, you know, I focus on everything from untourism, like we talked about today to travel rewards to an adventure lifestyle with kids. So Feel free if you are finding value from the show and you want to support it. If you buy me a cup of coffee, we can have a one-on-one and talk further. I hope travel or adventure or something is lurking in your future and we'll connect next week. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.